0: Good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to The Spoken Metal Show. This episode I've had kind of stored for a little bit because I wanted to kind of time it right because this is with someone um, very soon, later on this evening, hopefully if this uploads in time, they will be announcing the nominations for the Grammys uh, in 2021 and the. Normally, I'll do. I'll do. I will do a Grammy special anyway. I think because they were quite a lot of people that enjoyed that those shows. But the reason that the this episode is so special for many, many reasons is the person I'm talking to has been shortlisted for a Grammy nomination. So what that means, and we'll get into it with the episode, but what that means largely is that they became considered for a nomination, which is which is absolutely huge. Moreover, than that though, this is someone. Who um, I I I'm a huge fan of. I really like as a human being, and he's a, uh, he's just a genuinely good guy. And so it's interesting to talk about obviously the Grammys and and, and obviously that type of whole type of, type of thing. But then we go right the way back through the work he's done so far, and it was just oh God, it was good to catch up with a uh, with a really good friend of mine. And hopefully, it's nine o'clock in the states uh, that this that this gets announced at whatever time that is in the morning. Over over here, I may. Be able to send him a message saying congratulations, you've been you've been nominated, and then you might you I might not, but the fact that it's being considered is is absolutely huge, and it was just a nice way to kind. Of, I sent him a message when when I heard that, that these things were happening, and uh, that kind of sparked the conversation. That we should really catch up, and we really wanted to do it on a, on a tour. We really wanted to do it, going out doing shows, but uh, at least we wanted to meet up and have a beer. But we couldn't even do that, and so. It was really that really bothered me, and I thought, well, we we've, I've got to get him on the podcast because what a fabulous person to talk to, mainly because of uh, his story, his, his struggles, and the things he's had to deal with, his professionalism, how uh, his, his, his sheer ability as a musician, but way over, I as I say in the introduction, way over that is it, it, the fact that he's just a hugely nice guy, and I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from this show, and it, I want, I've always tried to create a little bit of a roadmap. Look, this is how you get to the things that you maybe are after. You are genuinely seeking Grammy nominations, then you know this next guest's roots is probably one. You know, maybe you should think about you know taking some inspiration from. But let's get right into it, though. Let's 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 not mess around any, any further. Um, well, actually, I do. I have to do a little bit of housekeeping because that's what professional podcast casters do, don't they? And it, and, it, and it sounds bad, but actually, I'm really ha- happy to do it because it, I appeared on another podcast, a show on YouTube called The Scouser and the Scott with um. Uh, just two superb gentlemen doing some great stuff where they talk about the business and amazingly they wanted to talk to me about the whole kind of music industry and stuff like that I've got any I- insights but you know a lot of people have sent some really nice messages about it said they, you know they really enjoyed it i think it's probably the longest one they've done and it's certainly the most sweary one they've done but you know hey that's that's why they get me on the show so i suggest that you check it out it's the Scouser and the scot and you want to check out some of the other episodes they've done they spoke to uh, Simon Hall. I hope a, whole, a whole bunch of really, really, really uh, uh, Ricky Warwick, loads quality guests they've had on. And it's at the start of their journey as they begins, so they're kind of refining it. It's beautiful to kind of see it this opening st- stage. So I've been on that. It's called the Scouser and the Scot, and I'm open to appear on anybody's podcast or show and talk nonsense for however long they keep me on before they kick me off. So if you do, you know, get in touch and I'll come on your show. Anything to, to kind of talk and spread some positivity and. And things about about metal, uh, the music that I love. So let's just get right into this. We I, I really, really, really enjoyed doing this one. I hope you did too. It'd be nice if we can do a, a coda to this where we talk about how successful the, the nominations were, and of these grammar nominated. But hey, you know that's that's for another show and another podcast. And um, this is a sit down with my good friend Dan Hicks, ladies and gentlemen. We have, every show is is a nice show uh, because I talk to people that I really like um, and I really admire and are doing great stuff. And this next guest, ladies and gentlemen, is is no different. A fabulous, fabulous guitar player, really great songwriter, but absolutely pivotal to being a band leader as well. And then kind of going and doing tour management and that type of thing and and teching and stuff and, and all that. But as good as he is with that, Far and away, he is a much better human being. It is my privilege to finally sit down. We we promise we do this in real life when we can't do. We've got to do on this bullshit fucking uh, electronic fucking device. But it is my great pleasure to welcome, finally welcome, Dan Hicks to the show, brother. How you been? Ah, brother, you're too kind. Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm surviving. (laughs) (laughs) We were saying just before we started, that's the only game here, ladies and gentlemen. The only game here is to survive. We will get through. Gigs will return. Tours will return. Fucking right. We'll get through this. It's weird sitting with Dan, because I've got to kind of put my podcaster's head on and all that. And I just want to talk shit with Dan. So I'm going to, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to talk shit with Dan for like, the normal thing we do is we start off with like, you know, where you first heard music and all that. We would be burying the lead if we did that what we've got to talk about yeah is the grammys <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what yeah. we've got to talk about isn't it i, I can't wow. how could i not start with that oh yeah the deep end brother yeah so i mean i mean f- for those that don't know and um, dan is in a band called kane and they have been uh, what is the best word to use here is it um it's not nominated because that's the next stage it's uh, we shortlisted we've been considered for nominations. there you go considered so i suppose yeah so for those who don't know dan is the, is the guitarist in k and they've been uh, considered for a, a grammy nomination which is you know that's fucking that's unheard of you know it's it's how many people do you know ladies and gentlemen do you personally know that have even been considered for fucking anything you know this is <laughs> this is a huge thing so i
1: suppose i mean the obvious question is is how does that come about um good decisions and working with the right people. Yeah. Um, our producer is a guy called Andy Brook. He uh, he worked with Status Quo on their last album. and um, As a result of that and the success that, that Quo, or that he has had off the back of Backbone, um, has been invited by the Recording Academy to be a member and asked him to put a couple of bands forward that he'd worked with. And without telling us, he put us forward and... Uh, <laughs> once we'd got to the stage of consideration he just gave us a shout and went, oh dude by the way you've been considered for five nominations and uh, we need some information so fucking madness your head must still be falling off the floor like you must you must still be completely mind blown i'd i i i am still processing it and it's been it's been probably a month and a half mm. um the the grammy uh members started voting on wednesday and the voting goes up until the 12th so it's been full on pr and then as of wednesday and today it's kind of ramped up even more for the next two weeks so i think every single time i talk about it it just feels <laughs> it doesn't feel real fucking weird <laughs> that's why that's how you know
0: it's always good when you you, so i've known known people who've been nominated for like uh total rock awards and and mm-hmm. awards and stuff like that and the people that always I'm, I'm happy win, are the people who, are, who just don't believe they should even be in, in the categories that they're in. I love that. I think that's how yeah. it fucking should be. It shouldn't be like, well, I fucking deserve to win Best Song of the Year and Best Riff of the Year. It's like, shit the fuck. Anybody thinks that shouldn't be winning it. There's no point in winning it. And that's the yeah. real key thing, I think, about the Grammys. I've done a couple of Grammy specials because the metal community and the rock community doesn't really get... Um, as much sort of play in that at the moment it's very much the country very much pop but yeah the grammys is a circular thing is is some years it will be more rap orientated some years it'll be more rock orientated it depends mm. on what year and what's what what they consider popular you know, yes it's country and pop at the moment but there's always that little niche of stuff uh, that metal gets shown in in the grammys and for me yeah. all the, the least most of my favorite grammy moments are with metal bands you know, with with, with rock bands doing stuff. And so I think it's is—it's incredibly important to those that that maybe aren't initiated into the business of this. um, Winning a Grammy is, or even like you say, being considered, is such a huge stamp of um, a nod. It's a huge sort of uh, gate to get past, which opens Mm. up an enormous amount of things. People will listen to your record that would never consider even listening to, to maybe rock or metal before and will yeah. now listen to to your record have you found that you've you've been sort of it's open
1: doors already even without you know what it's going to lead to yeah i mean mate the band's only been going really officially since tail end the last year mm. september october you know we played a couple of shows in the summer and um with you know different lineups and we got the lineup together in november was our first show with this lineup and Um, So we're kind of nobodies. And then this has come out and particularly a lot of industry who have kind of ignored us or at least (laughs) ignored me for the last 20 years have all of a sudden heard the name um, alongside the word Grammys and have gone, oh, okay, okay. what's this all about? And and I think more than anything, it's just given us the opportunity to be a bit louder than we normally would amongst all the noise. It's funny, isn't it, when people, you know, when when you win the Grammy Award, by the way, all in all five categories
0: and you stand yeah. there like fucking Eric Clapton and Santana with a fucking <laughs> with a road <laughs> of Grammys, yeah, but everybody will be like, oh, there's Dan Hicks, he's an overnight sensation. They've only been going a year. And the reality is that you fucking now we can take it back. Now we can go back, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years when you were first starting in bands. That's when you were doing yeah. the work that, that yields the results now. All that sort of learning how to do PR, learning how to act at, at shows, learning how to present your band, learning how to write, you know, and going going through those processes. That's what you yeah. were learning. So, you know, I first met Dan when he was in the band Mordecai. And we uh, we, we did a whole, a whole bunch, of, a bunch of stuff stuff together. It was
1: fabulous. And then... That was, that was the London Tattoo Convention. The London Tattoo Convention. I was talking the first time we met 2009, brother. Yeah, Aiden, I was talking from that,
0: who went to that as well. Like, fucking hell, out of such a, I mean, that was a great little gig, if you will, but it yielded so many lessons for me personally learned about working with people and stuff like that and yeah. how the business works. I was way over my head and, and learned to, some incredible lessons. But it was like, what was interesting was I kind of saw Mordecai kind of going through their success as well and playing download and that type of thing. And it was incredibly sort of. I think people sometimes realise that, you know, or don't realise that there is a route you can go through if you, and, and there is a, 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 a route map to becoming a, a headline act or playing arenas and all that. There is a route map to this. And to see someone follow that and, like you say, play play download, it was just rewarding to me because I knew you'd put the work in. And that's what I mean with the Grammys is that, you know, you can, it's always refreshing to see someone who's put the work in finally get some payoff from it. It's incredible, sure. Especially seeing it download. Was that download the last time we?
1: The second download was the last time we met. 2013. God, was it that long ago since we saw each other? Fuck. Yeah, 2013. Um, hmm. So we did 2012 um, on the Jaeger stage, and then 2013 was uh, we we were on the Red Bull stage. Yeah. Um, I think we were first on on the sunday yeah you had a weird slot, slot like yeah. it, was, it was it was a tough one but man we had you know we had a fucking cool time and it was a cool crowd and it but was, it was just uh,
0: yeah it was just it was nice to because we were both kind of started our move through the business almost at, at the same time so the, the, the download before i'd started properly tming and properly mm-hmm. doing some bits and pieces and then the year after I I, I I was going and doing a little bit more and then i think you know, because we could, we could talk, there's enormous amount of stuff we should really cover, but what um, maybe the listeners don't realise is that after we kind of last seen each other, um, Dan had a, an accident yeah. and um, damaged his, his hand and his arm uh, and some other bits as well. And there was a, po- there was a point where, um, you know, you probably considered that you would never play music
1: again. Is that, is that I That's what that I was told by doctor? Yeah, so that was actually a before. Oh, right. The accident was 2011. Okay. And, um, yeah, motorcycle accident, um, playing chicken with a transit van, and mm. the transit van won. I uh, broke my hand really badly, broke my foot, and had some pretty bad brain injury. And, uh, yeah, the doctors said I would probably never play guitar again, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, regain any memory so um yeah so that was the year before so within a year i was on stage at download because i wasn't gonna have the fucking doctors tell me what to do
0: i love it i love it but it's a, it's 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 astonishing to like that was the changed quite a lot of your perspective about not only the band you're in but what mm-hmm. you do as well you know because then you know after the kind of the mordecai thing you started to move into um into kind of tm and that type of yeah. thing as well um, yep. Was there a part of your, your, your mind then, it was like, I've got to make sure I've got a few bases covered here now, maybe I should do more and I should look at more things because of the accidents? Did you maybe did you maybe, kind of open your field of vision and think, you know what? Certainly for me, when, after I'd been had the bad experiences when I started early touring, mm. I decided I had to learn some stuff and kind of change and be a bit of a jack of all trades and kind of try and master some stuff here. Did you mm. find that then? Did you find yourself going, okay, I probably need to learn a little bit more about
1: the business um, and that type of thing? I think, honestly, more than anything, it just made me want to get even more involved. Mm. And I wasn't satisfied with just being a musician. It was, you know, kind of in my head someone was trying to fucking take me out and uh, get me out of the music industry and stop me from being a musician or being involved. So fuck you, I'm going to go full, full force. And, yeah. um, you know, I'd done a little bit of teching before that, but but nothing major. And, um, and just, yeah, I think I just wanted to, wanted to go full force into it and um, kind of realizing, realizing that I had good people around me, you know, a lot of the messages from people that I got from, from yourself and from, you know, companies I was endorsed by, I suppose, just really encouraged me that I, Mm. I had allies. And so I just wanted to kind of immerse myself in the industry. Mm. And like, you know, what were your first kind of steps then? Did you
0: say, okay, well, I'm going to start looking at some things and I'm going to start looking at kind of areas. What, how did you start that process? um with regards to
1: sort of getting heavier into the industry
0: yeah so like things like touring and 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 the behind the scenes thing that goes on with that and the kind of the logistical side of it and that type of thing you know when you're in a band you always have Mm. that party that you know you do your own load-ins and that type of thing and you do your own setups and nine times out of ten you'll you'll tech for other bands you maybe do the sound for other bands and there's a lot of crossover and cross-polarization but when you're actually solely doing that it, it works mm-hmm. an entirely different muscle. So how did you kind of start that process then?
1: Well, I'd, I'd worked with Godsize as their tech before that for a few years. And, and it and it gave me a bit of a, a taster of, um, you know, kind of a Godsize did tours with Black Label Society. And it gave me a taster of what it was in the industry. And I think for me, I just started with the networking. I started with talking to the right people, learning how to talk to those people and having the bollocks just to go over and have a conversation. Mm. You know, if I saw people that I knew were somebody, I just had the nuts to go and have a chat with them.
0: Yeah. I'd, you know, that, that comes up a lot on the show that, um, you know, uh, I've always said that networking is better than, than, than not working. And, and it is the case of mm. going up to these people and having a conversation. And the only, co- the only these people are welcome. will welcome you to talk to you as long as you're not a dickhead, as long as you're not yeah. a dick and you're not bothering them. You're asking stupid, Stuff and you, you know, you, you you really kind of bother them. They will impart this information, but it's it really is a uh, it's a learned skill about kind of when to approach someone, how to word yourself, not you know, act professionally. Is probably mm. even bigger, I would argue, than actually being able to do the job, being able to be a drum tech or a, a lampy or whatever. But actually being able to you know walk around as a professional is is an incredibly difficult thing. You, tours across this entire planet and um, the prerequisite is is this person a dickhead or not before yeah. it's can they do the job you know yeah. there's no one in this business who's that good who can get away with being a, a, a really a, a big dickhead there's a couple of people mm. who may be you know difficult and what have you and we've all worked with them but there's no one who's you know because it just doesn't it just doesn't work especially when you're out there for time on time uh, uh, over with other people and then and in confined spaces and difficult times, so yeah. you kind of go up and you start approaching people. Did you? Was there any particular person that really kind of opened it up for you?
1: Um, yeah, um, Andy Copping was uh, hmm. was the first the first kind of big name that I built a relationship with, and you know um, that's how we got the first download. It was just 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 having the right conversation then extending that conversation over email or social media and, and building that relationship and it and it took a while to build that relationship enough where um you know I, I can send him a message and I get a response and a hi and um that was the first kind of first deep end I suppose um that that kind of really helped me to realize that having the right conversation was absolutely fucking key Mm. you know like you were saying about not being a dickhead was something my granddad taught me when I was really young he he was a a big musician back in the 80s and 90s and um, he said you know being in the music industry is only 70 percent about talent and everything else is about who you are you could be the best, most talented musician or tech or tour manager in the world, but if you're an arsehole to work with, no one's going to hire you. And so, you know, I, I kind of um, tried to to develop that character of being someone that's approachable and not a dickhead.
0: Yeah, it's hard because um, what's interesting, I find, is certainly from when, when I've been out in the field, so to speak, is that within our group and the bands that I'm with, yes, you, you've got to be nice guy to work with, but outside yeah. of that, when you're dealing with um, maybe some people who are being a little combative, shall we say, mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a different face. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. nice with the guys, but then listen, if you're fucking ripping me off, I'm going to fucking kill you. Do you know what I mean? It's like oh, you yeah, have these these many masks that you must wear in order to kind of get and navigate around the, around the business. It's it's interesting you bring up up Andy Andy Cop. In I've 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 met met an, an Andy many many times when, when I've been down there. He's always been super nice. And I remember meeting him, um, and I was with uh, a very famous person who was kind of helping round the download. And they 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 were getting obviously people want to get this that person's signature and pictures and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, he, at, at the time, he was talking to Andy. this is the side of stage talking to Andy, and someone came up and was like, you know, blah blah blah, can I get your, your picture and you get your autograph or whatever. And uh, and then turned to Andy as a like you're Andy some like crew guy or something. And uh, some fan, and he was "Can you, can you hold this camera for us, mate?" <laughs> it's like <Mr>. he's <laughs> the fucking guy that runs. Through. And he didn't say shit. He didn't say shit. He was just like, "Yep, sure, away." Like yeah. so, no one asked him, "Who's the guy in the cowboy hat?" No one asked him. And I was just I remember thinking, "Fucking hell!" He could have been like, "Shut the fuck up," you know what I mean? I'm not taking fucking. He just he didn't say anything. He didn't say shit, and just went about yeah. his day, you know. And for me, a lot of people get get down on download. They give it a hard time, and you know, there's 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 various reasons why they do that, but. I remember uh, on more than one occasion seeing Andy at the side of stage, simply enjoying a band, yeah. banging his head, singing along, simply enjoying a, a band. And you, that's how you, that's how you really know if someone loves this business or not. If when, when you see them kind of just watching a band from the side and watching it, and he was totally engrossed in the music, he wasn't thinking about the festival for that twenty minutes. He was just watching mm. that. And I think he's got a very difficult job, and and I think any other the large promoters for larger festivals Bloodstock, Hellfest and, and what have you and back in, they've all got a very tightrope to walk where the pe- they've got to bring in new acts and they've got to bring in new people and not piss off the old guard and all that, it's a, I, I, could, I, I couldn't do that, you know a lot of people nah. like, a lot of people fantasy book these festivals you shut the fuck up, the, the, the stuff that's got to get planned in there it's insane, you can't do okay. that and so anybody that does that like you, know, the likes of you know, Vicky and stuff and, and, and Andy and do download and bloodstock with the book for them i couldn't do that i couldn't do that but so when you kind of you you start to make the switch to kind of uh what we as we call in the trade look after someone Um, Mm and did you think it was it was must have been an advantage to be in a band to have that kind of knowledge of being in a band to take that in looking after a band it's got to help right it's
1: got to help it definitely helped the the you know kind of automatically gave us um you know, a rapport and something in common and, and that we could relate to each other. Um, it helped at the time when I was, you know, when I was kind of just coming up, it, it helped that Mordecai were, were coming up as well. And so there was a bit of a profile there. Um, but uh, yeah, it just um, being being able, especially, you know, I started as a drummer um, and play guitar and sing. So, so I was able to turn my hand at pretty much anything. And I was always the kind of, um, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, sort of brag about what I can do until I've done it. And they go, oh, fucking hell, you can do that too. And it's like, "Yep, I can do whatever the fuck you need me to do. Um, And that helped. And, and, you know, and I I made a point of not uh, not talking about myself very much when it comes to, you know, being with the guys I'm working with. And if they want to know, they'll ask me questions
0: yeah yeah well uh, as it's often termed the the rock star roadie um, and wants to get the pictures with the band stuff like that you've almost got to be anonymous you've almost you can't you can't be seen on the pictures on stage you know i was always mortified if i'd see a video of a a band i was working with and you'd see me for a scene for a second i was like oh fucking hell i should have stood behind the curtain or there was an amp you could see the side of me i was like oh fuck sake, because i wanted to be fucking like a fucking hit man where it was like, just got the job done. It's like, who the fuck, who the fuck, where is he? And that's how it wants yeah. to be, because it's it, it's not about you. You know, you've been booked by a band to look after them and, and take them whatever the tour, whatever the shows may be. It's got yeah. absolutely fucking nothing to do with you. No one's buying a ticket to see you. The are buying a ticket to see the band you're looking after, to do a great show. And that removal of ego is 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 the other important thing that, that, that probably... Anybody that, that wants to work with bands and certainly uh, go out on run and stuff is the removal of the ego. Um, yeah, incredibly tough
1: for musicians to do that.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard. You got a bit to balance that because then you know you, you you've been used to going on stage. As I was, I've been a, in a band as well, and then and then having to stand at the side of stage and like fuck, you know what I mean? I know the song, I can play this song, and then not <laughs> yeah. play it. It's it's fucking oh my god, you know it's 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 a hard, but that's the discipline. You you booked for a job? Do you remember the first kind of. Full
1: tour that you did then—is it as is, is mainly just tacking? Were you teching or TMing or? Yeah, it would have been one of the God-sized tours. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like it was possibly Monster Magnet or Life of Agony right. around about two thousand fuck six seven, <laughs> something like that. What a, um, what a great
0: band, God-sized! You know what? It uh, awesome totally great. underrated, aren't they? Totally underrated, huge fucking sound and just.
1: Yeah, for I started, started working with those boys when I was 17, mm. and um, uh, it, it originally started, it was an excuse for, for the drummer to not pack down his shit and go and get a beer, and <laughs> um, offer to buy me a beer just so that he can drink more, yeah. and uh, so, you know, there's there's me, age of 17, you know, a little skinny dude, and <laughs> these guys are all six foot two, built like brick <laughs> shit houses. Um. And yeah, going on the road with them for, for enough years and, and trying to drink toe-to-toe with these big dudes and heading into the studio with them. with uh, they, they went to studio once with Chris Sangridis, um to do one of their EPs. And I think between the five of us, we managed about 160,000 milliliters of alcohol. <laughs> we just filled the whole fucking table. And yeah, um, we lived on that and Burgers. It was fucking disgusting and it's i do, do we we don't want to change that it that's exactly what touring
0: should be it should be where you you find out what you, once you find out you're not made of glass life yeah. becomes a lot easier and um, yeah know, you find out how much you can drink you can find out how long you go without eating for you can mm-hmm. find out how much cold you can take it it basically pushes all your limits to the extreme and if you can make it out at the end of it then you know you you kind of a better person for it i feel and moreover the people that you do that with this it becomes this incredible bond uh this incredible sort of which you know uh, which anybody that hasn't toured or even been in a band will never understand this this unsigned unspoken bond that happens between people um once you're taught it can never leave you you know i you know i've been on tour with, with with so many people and then I, am interesting enough, Bob, two days ago, I had a conversation with someone I hadn't been on tour with since 2015, so that's five years ago. Yeah. Out the Blue just sends a, a, a message to me, just uh, calling me uh, a Scouse wanker. Uh, and I was well, like, oh, thank God. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know we were, I didn't know I could have a good, but I was like, oh, it's right. And then we had a long conversation and we ripped the back out of each other. And it was, and it, it, that's born out of those moments where you kind of like, because um, as my friend Sonny says, um, no one ever remembers uh, the show that went well. Remember the show when everything went well? No. But I, I can tell you a billion stories about where it went wrong, like, you know. Because right. they're the only ones you'd get paid for, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that's where you earn your money, is you yeah. shit goes wrong.
0: And, and yeah. what's interesting is how you say you kind of, you, you turned your hand to various things, because that's the other big skill that gets brought up on the show, the ability to, to turn on a dime. If something bad happens or something needs to happen, and be go, do you know what? I can do that. I've got an idea. I'll, I'll fix this. You know, we've we've all had it where the sound guys don't turn up because the plane's late, so they missed the first day of the show. People lock keys in fucking cars so they can't get there. We've all had that, and if you you're the guy that says, you know what? I can do that, or let's do this, or comes up with a, a you know a solution. That's, <laughs> yeah. That that game just goes right the way up then because of that. Like, oh yeah, you yeah. must have
1: in what seventeen and you're out tour. <laughs> You must yeah. learn so much shit. Oh man, it, yeah. And I mean, I'm still learning, man. It, it, it prepared me for a hell of a lot, but sometimes you still get thrown curveballs. I had mm. last year, a, a band that will remain unnamed. <laughs> I was working with them and they had a, a show in Brighton. Sorry, a show in Dubai, followed by a show in Brighton, followed by a show in Zurich, then a show in Exeter back to back
0: standard yes standard
1: of standard, course you, of your course. usual kind of uk dubai <laughs> zurich court oh. and um the on the the first day the day that the band was supposed to be traveling out to dubai the bass player called me and said i can't find my passport i've lost it Shit. great all right well, good <laughs> do you think they'll still let me fly without a passport <laughs> So basically he couldn't get out there. Um, he needed to get an emergency passport for Zurich. So he was going to miss Dubai. Um, and then the next question was, do you know any bass players in Dubai? Wow. So, so you, um, just went, you just went on your, your Facebook group that you have of all the bass players in Dubai, and just selected one out of the many people who are there?
0: I don't yeah, see very
1: much. <laughs> much. Well, thankfully, thank fuck, I knew a guy who had toured Dubai two months before this um called him up and said did you meet any bass players out there and he went actually yeah i did here's a number of it (laughs) so it you know it's one of those things that you just fucking jump into autopilot do what you can and i mean there are many phone calls and stresses and holes in walls in between that point yeah of course um you know we managed to get the bass player in dubai he managed to get his passport and 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 fly out to Zurich after the Brighton show and it you know just one of those things that you think you've experienced everything when you've been doing it for 10 years and then all of a sudden some fucker decides to book a Dubai show before Brighton and lose his passport
0: (laughs) these are ladies and gentlemen and for the the tour managers that have been on the show and listening now these are your stock and trade this is normal this is not normal. there's it's constant curveballs all, all the time and there's there's something though I don't know I've done about you but for me it, there's something that uh, I really enjoy about working it out about actually figuring out I, very rarely <laughs> do I enjoy the show nine times out of ten if I'm watching and working with a band i watching a show and um, I tend to be panicking inside you know I'm like it'll trip over that the monitor's in the wrong place Blah, blah blah you know all those usual stuff i don't really yeah. enjoy the show but to get to get there to get that like the, if you got intro music wherever to hit i it's, i remember being i remember being in um speaking about Zurich, i remember being in Zurich at, at a festival just outside and the, the there was two sta- sound stages uh two stages and uh, only one sound guy and they were kind of hopping him back and forth and he hadn't slept in like eight hours he was a complete wreck and the band i was working with would you to go on and he was work, gonna work the other stage and i was like I don't give a fuck about the other stage. I give a, band, I give a fuck about my band. So I was like, I've got to think my way out of this situation. I've got to think, what. Well, how can I get him to go over? I can't bribe him. I can't even speak his fucking language. I can't bribe him. I'm in money. Right. Like, what can I do? Like, you know, so as I'm thinking this, in the corner of the, the VIP thing, they've got like a huge Jager bar. Yeah, a huge Jager bar and they're serving Jager. And they've got that like black sort of Jager canister where they sloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, but I, I, that's in all the back of my mind. I knew it was there. And then, anyway, this girl comes down with these big jager bottles to fill it up, and she says it to a mate, "This is in Zurich," and she says to a mate in the thickest Scouse accents you've ever heard, wow. i was like, all right, mate, I've got these for." And I was like, "Oh, hold on, I I put it together." And I went over and I went, "All right, love, what's going?" She's like, and She she's like, I said, I said, "Listen, any chance I can have one of these massive jagers off?" Like, and she was like. Yeah, all no, right. So take that. Went to the guy. Can't speak his language. Showed him the thing. I was like, "You come and do my band." it is is that. And he was like, "Okay, okay." and Off he went. The other band didn't have any. Okay, after that, the fuck they worked out. But my band went on, and everything was great. And I remember thinking to myself, "How the fuck did that happen? How did yeah. do you know what I mean? How did that the kismet behind it, the the, the chance behind it, the, And I love that being kind of thrown in. That's one of the things that you know a lot of people get scared about when they go to another country touring or with different rules or whatever. I find yeah. it's the most exciting, you know. Yeah. You know, it's it's the part of the business that, that you know that you you say you hate, but we all we all love it, you know. And especially at this time when not a lot of people are touring, you mm-hmm. know, I kind of miss the bus smelling now. <laughs> I kinda of miss it. You yeah. know. Um I kinda of miss all of the bad stuff. I miss the shitty food and 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 bus calls in the morning i i miss all that
1: like you know 20, yeah, totally are you, are you I, miss? I, I miss being the first one up and the last one to bed and <laughs> the 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 fucking only one that's stressing out all day non-stop yeah. It's, yeah, there's, something, there's something lethargic about it you know but it, it it's one of those things that like you say unless you've experienced it you're not going to understand yeah quite how stressful it is but also how rewarding it is Mm. and you know seeing the band comfortable and happy when they go on stage and comfortable and happy when they come off stage and enjoying Mm. that they that that's you know when they come off stage and they're happy and they're smiling you know that you've done your job Mm.
0: you know it it, it is like it's it it is its own reward you know um Mm. it's it's a wonderful thing you remember now we've kind of covered like the the stuff that we, we we asked did you remember when you when you first started getting into music remember what the first things you were hearing? because you'll have had some great influences with your granddad and stuff like you've had some good music from the beginning right sure
1: yeah i was lucky i was lucky my my granddad was um eric Clapton's bass player for about 14 years <clears throat> and so i kind of grew up around a lot of from my granddad a lot of blues mm. um uh you know he he had a, a good friend called mick cox who was the guitarist in a band called era parent and and it was that kind of bluesy, Jimi Hendrix, Clapton kind of thing. And then my Nana was a huge Elvis fan. So I grew up with the the rock and roll side as well. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, so that was always playing in the house when I was younger. I think the first, first album I bought was probably Metallica Black album. Sure. That's okay. Um, uh, (laughs) Because I'm old. Often the younger people I speak to on this, they're
0: like, my first album was this. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) But that's okay. That's
1: okay. Like 1990. But then I was a late bloomer with that because I grew up around, you know, my grandparents and and the blues and the rock and roll. And then my old man um, was very much into his prog. So it was like Genesis and Rush And so it wasn't until probably uh, towards the end of primary school that I started getting into the music that I really liked.
0: Yeah, because you want to find your thing. That's their thing, you know, Elvis and blues and that type of thing. And then Progressive and and, and, and Yes and Genesis and those, that's their thing. It's still great. It's not wrong with it. But you want to find your thing that, you know, that's representing you, that's speaking
1: for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. So, you know, and I took that journey, for, you know, that everyone kind of goes through and I, I went down the, the, the new metal kind of road and, mm. um, you know, the the Lincoln Park and the Limp Bizkit and all of that kind of thing, which until recently, I didn't realize how much of a new metal road I went there <laughs> you know, until I started playing and, and started, you know, really writing this, the stuff became, um, that's when I remembered oh shit yeah I, I was a Limp Bizkit fan okay well sorry <laughs> yeah um, and then you know and, and Mordecai started and and my tastes were were kind of so far removed from that kind of thing so um, it's been an interesting journey with my musical tastes and influences for sure yeah so when did when did then um, why 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 start Kane
0: and what was the kind of thought process going into Cain, let's, let's take all the stuff that you learned and the things that you'd kind of been aware of and all those lessons and then mm-hmm. did you have, how much of a plan was that before Kane and, and how much is that already kind of into play now like?
1: <coughs> I had fuck all of a plan. <laughs> <laughs> so Mordecai <laughs> kind of um, slowed down, I suppose, went into hiatus around about 2016 mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just, everyone was busy and had their own things and we were doing some shows but not much. We did some some dates in the US in 2018 but that's kind of all we'd done between 16 and, and now. Um, and from about 2017, 18, I think, um, I just kind of, I slowed down with music and mm. I I'd kind of made a unconscious decision to step away, I guess hadn't really been doing shows um (gasps) just I think I'd always in my mind I'd had when I hit 30 if I've not if I'm not making money from music I need to step away and so subconsciously around that time that's what I did and so I hadn't really been heavily involved in making music for for some time and then um, I broke up with an ex um and that night decided I wanted to get back into music and um, contacted Rick, who was the old Mordecai bassist and a couple of buddies of mine and just went, I need to get into a band and just do it for shits and giggles. And that's kind of the first first embodiment of Kane. And there was no no agenda. There was no thought of it going anywhere. There was no sound we had in mind. It was just, I need to get in a room with people.
0: Yeah. I think... I, I I love you to bits, Dan. Dan knows this, but I disagree. I humbly disagree with Dan when he says he doesn't have a plan. He did. <laughs> the plan was to simply write something and play music you enjoyed. Yeah. That's, that 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 within itself is an incredibly powerful mindset because I'm telling you now, there's a ton of bands out there that don't enjoy what they're doing at the moment, or they're just yeah. doing things for you know what they think will be popular, what they think yeah. they will enjoy, or even worse tied to crazy deals so they're out there playing an album that they don't enjoy you know i work with famous people who play covers and hate those covers because they've been shaped by those covers and it's nothing it's not, not reflective of them as an artist as a human being it's yeah, yeah, be yeah. you know the 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 very point of of, of and certainly where we got to with kane was to simply for you to be happy you know mm. and that's that's incredibly powerful that and that's an incredibly sort of and um, you know, good standpoint I and mean, that's why when you and i will put links to the to, to, to the songs as well but when you hear kane there's something that comes off the record and it's that magical thing you can't pro tools you can't you know you can't with technique get out it's it's something that comes out from someone who is enjoying what they're doing it's that hidden thing that that x factor sort of element to to, mm-hmm. to music and it comes it comes across in that and i urge people when they listen to the songs as i urge them to do um especially to hear what it sounds like um, Mm. at the the peak or the the tip of a whole iceberg that's gone before of learning Mm. both musically and like we're talking about now, emotionally. And you may not see that because it's your life, but I dip into your life, so to speak, periodically. And I can hear those movements. I can hear. So you go back and I urge people to do, to go back and listen to Mordecai, particularly the song White Horse, if I had to to, 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 to suggest one, listen to that. And you can hear where the blocks began that now make up this cane material. You can hear that in just that one song, but you can listen to the whole album. But you can hear those building blocks. And that's that's interesting to me. And that's something that I I enjoy. And I Mm. think that as you write more stuff that you enjoy, you'll become even more relaxed and comfortable with it. And that's when you get into honest writing. Sure. Uh, because as much as you play the guitar and as much as you're a great guitar player i feel above that you're a songwriter uh, sure. more more than a more than a guitar player for me uh, that that's always been and that makes sense sense for kane to 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 be that way so going into into kane now and this kind of whole sort of trajectory with this it's a shame that we had this um uh, the pandemic and stuff and this comes up a lot on conversation as well that a lot of people were kind of Putting an enormous amount of time and effort in to be scuppered by this, this pandemic. Sure. Um, so what have you done uh, as a musician and what have you done as, a, as um, someone who works as, within the business to kind of keep things moving during the pandemic?
1: I think, I think this is probably repercussions, you know, from, from the accident and having to work through shit times and make sure that I'm still on top, you know, mm. Pandemic happened. We had, I mean, we had a shit ton planned for this year, like like most people had. You know, we uh, we hadn't announced, but we we had. a gig me Rambling Man, and we were going to do uh, some shows with the Rocket Dolls on their tour, and we were heading over to the States again. And <clears throat> we just realized that when we get out of this, the bands that have been moving throughout the pandemic are the ones that are going to survive. Mm. And so I. Or we just decided to do what we fucking could you know we we released a single right at the beginning just before lockdown happened and we hadn't done a video so we decided to do a quarantine music video and you know, record, thankfully, I, I live with uh, with two of the guys in the band. So we were able to to get, a, you know, a video done that shows the character. We're a band. We don't take ourselves seriously. We just want to fucking have a laugh. and mm. um, You know, we just wanted to do whatever we could to be ahead of the game so that when we come out of this, we're able to hit the ground running and have a backlog of content and material to just keep pushing out. Mm. Um, and it has I mean, it's worked so far, um, Grammys <laughs> Grammys have picked up one of the tracks, so we're clearly <laughs> doing something. We're so, doing all right. It. Um, yeah, you know, we just, we, we want to be one of those bands that the second we're allowed to, we're at, we're at full pelt. Yeah. Um, there are, and I have seen, and there will be a lot of bands that <clears throat> have kind of sat and gone let's just wait until this is over and then we can get cracking it's like you you need to get cracking now mm. so that you're just ahead of that curve yeah. um it, that, that comes up a lot as well with, the, with with some of the bands on the show
0: that um that they don't maybe even don't even know what they can do because they used to play live and that's pretty much their yeah. kind of lifeblood and they the river the, the kind of the, the, the constant that goes on but without that they're almost seemingly lost there's some bands out there that are very un-tech savvy and can't do a, a zoom call and can't put a video together and can't do that and it was a real yeah. it was a real kick up the arse i think when um when, when, it, when it happened to them and i think you're right i think the bands that will survive if that's even the best way the bands that have seen it like you know listen i'm going to still work out even though i'm not in a in in not fighting but i'm going to still yeah. work out in my gym if you will before so when the fight comes up i'm ready and i'm, I'm match fit because you don't want to be I don't necessarily think it's going to be a case of it will suddenly be uh, uh, gates opened and we'll have gigs back. But sure. you have to be ready. You know, that readiness is both at a band level and as a crew level. Um, and yeah. so much as that you have to kind of be ready to to kind of move with what happens. You know, that yeah. readiness, yeah. I'm willing to, we talked about this, you know, uh, got half an hour ago that we that readiness to move with change and stuff is the thing that keeps artists alive talk about metallica and the black album they that was a conscious decision to make the black album it was a conscious decision to use bob rock it was a conscious decision to write shorter songs it was conscious decision to write more condensed things because they knew that it would eventually make it onto the radio and that would help get the metal out there to the masses if you will and it was all very you know very concerted effort because they knew that that was coming and everybody hated them for it they hated them Mm -hmm. for a lot of people saying they sold out but it helped them become the band that they are you know you have to be especially if you're a musician you have to be willing to reinvent yourself and this pandemic for any another way of looking at it is another chance to reinvent yourself as an artist
1: yeah I mean the whole the whole industry is going to have to be reinvented Hmm. coming out the back of it so it makes sense that the artists and the bands We'll need to do the same and, and, you know, um, no one will be able to do things the way we have done it for quite some time. So you've got to be a chameleon. I I think that, you know, a lot of my experience on the road as tour manager, having to be a jack of all trades, having to be a chameleon with the people that I'm talking to probably helped me to um, kind of see ahead of the game. Um when I first started coming back into music after having that bit of a hiatus, I, I decided to go to uni and, and study the music business. And that helped me to uh, open my eyes and ears to, to things that weren't of my usual opinion. Hmm. And so I'm able to look at things a little more objectively, which, which probably helped with, you know, being able to formulate a plan um, to, to try and get ahead of it.
0: I thought that that was really interesting. I saw when you graduated, I was, was, was made up. It was fantastic. And I thought that that was quite telling on, on two sort of fronts. I thought it was telling that, A, you had the bollocks to, to say, I don't know what I'm fucking doing with this. So I'm going to yeah. go to school and mm-hmm. learn how to do this. You know, yeah. that's, that takes a set to, to to say, you know, listen, I don't know everything and I'm going to learn. You know, that's a humbleness. That is, that's, you know, that's commendable. And then, you know, to go there and have someone go, listen, this is how, you know, this is how deals work, this is how 360 deals, this is how carnés work, and whatever, I don't know exactly what the nature is of what you, you studied, but doing the homework, you know, do actually reading up and, and, and looking up on something, there's then, that's the theory. You know, you've done the practical, you've done the sleeping in a van, you've done the, you know, trying to get sound checks done, you've done, you know, faulty yeah. cables, you've done all the practical, but the theory side of it's incredibly important too. And um, you know the maths of working out stuff and 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 simple mm. things like that. Like you know, I remember the first time dealing with carnies. And sorry for, for those that maybe aren't aware, that's kind of uh, uh, to do with merch or what you take kind of with you and, and taxes and things like that. And um, kind of you know, I, won't I go
1: mean, tour managers' work life when you're on the road. Yeah,
0: especially that. if you go to Switzerland, like you know. But it's so mm. it's. It's, cra- it's a crazy thing to talk about, but it's very boring. It's not, it's not interesting. You know, these things aren't interesting to talk about, you know, contracts and things like that and, and visas and how that all works and working permits and, you know, how, you know, how long the driver can stay awake and mile, and all that stuff is very boring. Yeah. But it's, it's such an, an, a necessity of, it, of the whole thing. So how long was the course and um, what did you get from it that you, that
1: you maybe didn't know? It was a master's degree that's normally three years that I, for some fucking unknown reason, I did in 10 months. (laughs) Um, It was the toughest 10 months of my life. Um, I think more than anything I got out of it was confirmation that I know what I'm doing. Right. And there was a lot of conversation where I've had my own theories and had my own processes that were confirmed that either, yes, they are industry standard, or you know what you're fucking talking about. Mm. And a lot of it was, like you said, was learning that humility of, I don't know everything. And especially some of the guys that I had on my course, um, it was, you know, really humbling to be around some of those guys you know Uh, Bruce uh, Dickinson who was a guitarist for for Little Angels he ran the course I had Dave Calhoun who's a guitarist Um, he did he played for Aussie for a little bit he did all the guitar teaching on the um, Queen film movie that they did recently and Mm. Guys like that. He was advisor,
0: wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. knowledgeable gentleman,
1: yeah. Oh, incredible. And, and Dave's such a lovely guy. And, and I was surrounded by people like that for those 10 months that knocked me down a few pegs. Yeah,
0: um, which needed to happen. It needs to happen, doesn't
1: it? Yeah. I love it. And that's why I spend so much of my time, or as much of my time as I can, around people that are more knowledgeable or more successful than I am because I, I never ever want to get to a point where I don't feel like I can learn something. And I want to be around people that can knock me down and help me to kind of keep that that humility, no matter where I get to. I feel, you know, there's always someone that knows something that I don't. Mm. It's, that, it's that, like,
0: complacency really is a killer. It really is It's something to mm. kind of ruin you. If you think, yeah, well, we're, 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 we know what we're doing. We've, we've got a plan and all the rest of it. You, there's always something else. And as like, you know, um, I was, I'm reading a book about the, the seven rings about kind of different levels and how you move and, and, and kind of grows bigger as you kind of go into involve more people and you kind of learn more and stuff like that. And it's all about right. personal growth here. It's all about kind of realizing that you're not perfect, realizing yeah. that you, you've got room to learn and then applying yourself. The biggest leap I find that most people don't take is they'll admit that they don't know that, but they won't do anything about it. Is yeah. is something like doing the the bachelorship, if that's even the right way to to, to, to call it? Um, is is that something that you, you clearly would recommend to to people with, with,
1: certainly within the business to do that? You think you got a lot from it? Yeah, I did. I think I think you know, no matter what you do, I I, I think every musician should do a couple of shows as a runner or a tech mm. or stuff like that i I think everybody where possible should know what it's like on a daily basis to do everyone else's shit Mm. and just have an understanding i I think that's that that comes up a a lot i'd want to try what i try and do with the with the show when
0: i speak to crew and uh, and what have you is to is to demystify some of this uh life lifestyle that you know there's there's elements of that that are totally unglamorous a large amount of it in fact like i would say 99 percent of it it's the one yep. percent that you see on Instagram that is 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 the the, the payoff, you know. But it's no. it's that the element that each every role, TM, lampy, merch guy, whatever, is there's an enormous amount of unglamorous, solid work to do, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and that's something I have always you know, be aware that that is something you're gonna have to do, and it's gonna be even worse when we come out of the pandemic because. There's going to be people crying out for, for jobs, you know, and, and unfortunately undercutting people and stuff to try and get yeah. any work they can, you know. And yeah. I always found it like when I first started touring, I worked everything, uh, merch, I uh, doing the lights, you know, just running, you know, everything. Press, I did, I did everything. And if what happens is before you know it, after you've done it for so long, you have realized you've got. It's do you know what it's like? It's like karate. It's the karate kid. So what happens is. You think I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You, you've been learning all this stuff, and then some. Someday, uh, some comes up to you, he's running the merchant, goes, "I don't know how to do this." And you go, "Oh yeah, I did that back in Sunderland two years ago." You have to do this, da, da, da. and it's wax on, wax off. Yeah. You suddenly, yeah. blocking on because you've built up this knowledge, but you've only built it up because you've looked at every sort of, of element of it. Do you find mm-hmm. then there's a particular thing that you enjoy best? That, do you, is it the tour manager side of it? What do you? Is that the thing that you enjoy the most, or is there a particular facet that you? enjoy better than that um,
1: other than being on stage being the performer
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah I think definitely the TM I, I like the the fast paced mm. I like babysitting the boys mm-hmm. but I also like the problem- solving element of it you know yeah sitting in the van or the bus trying to get up you're running late in traffic you're not going to be able to check in to the hotel before you get to the venue and so you've got to try and figure out a way to get everyone checked in and at the venue at the same time And I just like that fast-paced I don't know what the fuck's going to happen in an hour's time but I know that whatever it is you know we can handle it and um I enjoy it I get buzz out of it yeah it's, it's
0: there's a certain mindset that enjoys that it's a, it's a certain mindset that you have to have to, to do to do that well so say we' we're, we're, we're kind of talking to Dan when he's 16 before he starts going out and tour and stuff and, and and there he is with his with his, his long hair and he's not quite his beard yet and you know and and he's rushing out to go on tour with God's size what do you, you go you all like oh Dan I done let me just tell you this before you go out on, on tour for the first time what do you wish you'd said to
1: yourself? Oh, um, you can't drink as much as you think you can. Probably <laughs> <laughs> will be the first one going out <laughs> over those boys and trying to go. Stay away from whiskey. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, probably just more than anything, just don't stress and enjoy it. I think I spent so much time worrying about getting it wrong that I didn't allow myself to enjoy it even when you know shit's going to go wrong anyway you can be the best in the business and shit's going to go wrong it's about how you deal with it and you know i knew that i could deal with it but i was so worried about something going wrong that i almost felt like i willed shit to go wrong yeah you put it in the universe yeah um but yeah just 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 fucking try and enjoy it as much as you can you know i'm not going to get that experience again and especially going out on my first tour you're i'm never going to experience that first tour again I'll so again yeah yeah, what a what what a, what a so wonderful
0: mantra for life, let alone touring. You know, just just enjoy it. Just you know, don't yeah. stress out. It's gonna fuck up somewhere. You know, just yeah, just it's it right. it. You're gonna end up
1: in a pandemic for eight months and yeah. not be able Who the to fuck
0: three saw this up. coming? Who the fuck saw this coming? No one did. You know, nah. listen, we we've gone we've gone. Over an hour, I think. I think we're close to over an hour, which is fucking crazy, and we haven't even started. Yeah, we haven't. We haven't even started, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have to get down on again, and fucking hell, we're going to have to meet in. We do this in person. This fucking, fucking right Zoom bullshit is not for me. Like you know, I mean, we could go on. There's, there's so much stuff that we didn't cover that we need to cover. What I will say is that I'll put links in for everything that we've talked about in, into the in, into the show. But uh, what a treat to get a, to get into a window into there uh, a Grammy considered, Grammy nominated, Grammy winning, multi Grammy winning, more than Michael Jackson and Clapton combined Grammy winning. <laughs> 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 the, the fabulous Dan Hicks, like thank you for coming on the show, sir. Oh, thank you for having me, brother. So, how did we find that? Did we enjoy that? Did we find it interesting? Uh, you know, what I sure as shit did. I, I think a lot of people will, you know, it's. You know, it's not an exact roadmap to get to, to to get none of the Grammys, and I don't want to make it all about the Grammys, but because uh, there's an all loads of cool things that he that he's done and doing before that. One of the things as well, I didn't I didn't get onto uh, uh, which maybe I'd like to have done was something he's doing collaborative with another friend of mine called Holly, doing this uh, red beard reloved, which is kind of furniture. If that sounds crazy enough, I'm gonna have to get him on again, aren't I, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about this. We're kind of repurposing and redoing furniture and stuff with like crazy sort of things. And I really, I was watching some of the stuff they've been doing on, on Instagram. It's fabulous. Very metal as well, like you're yeah, very metal. Um, Obviously, like I say, you know, please listen to uh, the Scouse and the Scots, my friend Ian, uh, who's appeared on the show, Ian Johnson, and Craig. Uh, doing a fabulous show called The Scouser and The Scot, and I appeared on that and had a really lot, lot of fun on that. I, I, I was fucking all over the place, but, you know, that's kind of – I think that's what they wanted. A lot of swearing. I think it might have been the longest episode and certainly the most uh uh, uh sweary episodes, but I, I really enjoyed it. And, I, like like I say, again, anybody that w- wants to get me on their podcast, you know, feel free to send me a message, and we will, uh, we'll work it out. We're coming up to the 100th show, and I'm trying to kind of do something special for that. Maybe not necessarily how – the guests and that type of thing, but maybe doing a whole box set or a larger thing where it's over 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 a bigger bigger week. So that's coming up soon. And um, as always, um we we're getting close now. We're getting really close to the start to talk about people at shows and stuff. Now we're, we are at the end of this, ladies and gentlemen, and I will see you at a show.